Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and Truth. The man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's the host of Stand Up For The Truth. Mike LeMay. Unashamed of the gospel and standing on the truth of God in the Bible. Good morning, Mike LeMay and David Fiorazzo. We welcome you to another edition of Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy day to spend some time with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word. We thank you for the opportunity to live in a nation where we can, at least at this time, freely speak out about the gospel, about our love for you, and the fact that we are unashamed to be called your children. Lord, uh, just bless us this hour. May we magnify your name and your word above all things as we look at serious issues that are facing the church in America. We love you, Lord, and may we honor you this hour. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Pyrite is a mineral made up primarily of iron that looks like gold, thus its nickname, Fool's Gold. It looks valuable, It looks like valuable gold, but in reality, it's generally useless and of little to no value. As America continues its slide toward godlessness and many churches fail to look significantly different from the secular culture taking over this nation, a growing number of churches and professing Christians might be holding on to fool's gold, thinking it will save them when they stand before Jesus Christ as judge, only to find out what they hold is useless and even abhorrent before our Lord and Savior. Elijah Abraham is a former Muslim and now a born-again believer. He travels around the world proclaiming the gospel and equipping believers who face constant threats of persecution. And Elijah joins us this morning to compare what he has witnessed with churches and believers here in America compared to churches where persecution is a daily way of life. Elijah, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to be here with you and see my brothers here with a Beautiful smile. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it is our pleasure, my friend. Well, Elijah, you do travel around the world. You take several trips to to many, many nations every year, and and sometimes you speak at churches here in America. Could you kind of contrast for us where you see American Christianity headed in, in what church is and how we do it, how we worship, compared to believers in nations that literally take their lives in their hands for proclaiming Christ? Well, to give an example, uh, one of the uh, courses that I teach internationally to pastors who don't have access to a Bible college or seminary or really never been trained to be uh, preachers, but they are faithful, trying to do the best they can with what they have, uh, reading the scripture, but they don't have the right doctrine and theology. So what I try and do one of the courses is to track about biblical foundation and doctrine and uh, we uh, give them the foundation to build upon. And when, I, when people ask me here, some of my supporters or uh, even some churches that I uh, speak at, and when I say this is what I do internationally, and the answer I receive from church members, they say, we need to have this here. We don't have the f- basics. We don't have the foundation. And that's really, uh, one, it's not that of a shocker, but it's sadness in my heart that a church of the living God in America uh, really don't focus much or build up on a solid foundation. Because if you don't have that foundation, biblical truths, according to the scripture, and you are trying to build upon it, and the Lord told us, so, you know, you build a house on a sand, it'll crumble. And that's exactly what we are seeing. The church, majority of churches, and let me repeat what we have been discussing throughout the years, I've been in your show, uh, what we have in America, we have dual Christianity. The majority of churches in America practice an American Christianity, and the minority are practicing biblical Christianity. The reason I call it American Christianity, because this, these churches allowed the culture to influence the church instead of the church influencing the culture. So what we are talking about here is the American Christianity churches. The biblical churches is really hard to find, to be honest with you. I have to go through so many churches to find a biblical church that I could train and equip and teach. Mm. The majority of churches that I do speak at unfortunately, uh, is really, a, I preach awakening, get out of American Christianity and mm-hmm. repentance. Let's go back to biblical Christianity. <clears throat> so the, the answer to, uh, to the question why they are not teaching biblical truth, biblical foundation, um, because the leaders will be questioned, uh, will be held accountable. You got many of the leaders in these churches 
have their own agenda cloaked under Christ, under Christianity. The agenda, whether it be making a big name for themselves or mega church or write books and to be invited, whatever it is. So basically, it's a worldly appeal. It's, the church is not a Bible-driven anymore in America. It's a consumer-driven. And the consumer is whatever the consumer needs will provide. So as a result, let's provide programs, bigger church, a praise and worship team that is a rock stars. It is a concert. It's not a church. There is no holiness. Uh, you go into a, uh, they don't call it sanctuary. They call it auditorium. To me, auditorium, I'm going to a concert or the symphony <laughs> orchestra. But not, uh, they don't look at it that way. Uh, prayer is not the center of uh, introduction or the start of a church uh, service. The expository Bible uh, preaching, teaching is not the center of the church. So they flipped it. You look at Book of Acts, was really uh, uh, the people were adherent to the teaching of the apostles of the scripture. Which scripture? The Old Testament, because the New Testament has not been written yet. Uh, and uh, they devoted themselves to prayer and fellowship and uh, uh, meeting the need of the people. Uh, song and getting one another in psalm and song, that's the last thing. So in America, they flip that. The center of the church is entertainment. It's, uh, and uh, at the sacrifice of prayer and preaching the word of God. So therefore, you have a lot of baby Christians. Let's, let's, let's assume those who are born again, they're baby Christians. And statistically speaking, from George Bond Institute, way back in 2004, 48 to 52 percent of the church membership are not even regenerate. And some of them hold positions in leadership, whether it be deacons or elders uh, or even, quote unquote, Sunday school teachers who are not really born again. <laughs> So it's really sad, sad state of affair. It's a heartbreaker, but that's what we have. Uh, in contrast to the churches overseas, that's totally different. Well, you mentioned biblical foundations and building the church on the right foundation. And I want to ask you a question, but first, it just reminded me of 1 Corinthians three ten and 11, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation— and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Right. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, when you're referring to this, which is in agreement with Scripture, are you talking about the essentials of the faith? How do you build that foundation? And what would you say to someone in a modern-day American church that might say, well, I know we have a, the entertaining you know, stage and the lights and the worship and all that, but that's permissible, isn't it? Well, yeah, the, when I'd say about the essentials of the faith is, okay, you have a believer, and he's been in the church for 10 years, 15 years, and you ask them, okay, tell me about creation. Well, it's in Genesis. Okay, but what do you know about creation? Why did God create? Does he really need his creation for him to exist? He existed from eternity past, will continue to exist to eternity future. Does he need his creation for him to exist? Is he lacking anything? So these are the questions that every Christian should understand and know how to answer. Why did you create man? Why not create something different uh, instead of calling a man and a woman? Um, uh, why did he have to come down to earth? <clears throat> what happened in the garden? Oh, uh, Adam sinned. Why, but why did he sin? Uh, who is Satan? Why did he fall? These are the essentials that every Christian needs to understand. Uh, what, is, what is good and evil? Why e evil exists? Uh, what is the, uh, uh, the church? What's the purpose of the church? Uh, what is the second coming of Christ? What's eschatology? Uh, what is the end time? What is heaven? Uh, this is interesting. A lot of Christians are so focused on the earthly, they are not talking and focusing on heaven. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, if a believer in Christ Jesus, and he tells me he is born-again believer, mm -hmm. not thinking about heaven on a daily basis, there is something wrong with his spiritual walk with the Lord. Is, isn't the whole idea that we uh, now being redeemed, isn't the whole idea that we want to be with our Redeemer? Mm -hmm. We want to see Jesus face to face. Who wants this earth? Who wants this world that has fallen? Who wants this evil in this world that God allows to serve his purposes? But who wants it? Who wants to have a, you know, surgeries or back problems or cancer or all of these fallen nature? Who wants it? I want to be 
in heaven in front of a holy God to serve a holy God, to worship a holy God. And not just that, in return, he, he adopted us as a child of God. We all have a heavenly inheritance. We are uh, princes and princesses of the living God. Uh, we're going to co-heir with him. We're going to rule with him. Yeah. If that does not entice a believer to talk about heaven on a daily basis, I don't know what. But what you see in American Christianity, again, I keep saying American Christianity, church members, all that you worry about is here and now. They focus on the material, on the earthly. And, uh, and that's not a victorious life, a Christian life. So Wait a minute, Joel Osteen would disagree. Absolutely. So is Kenneth Copeland and all of these guys that will disagree and all this well, uh, prosperity gospel and health and wealth gospel because all of that feeds into the flesh and here and now. They talk about healing, healing, healing. Oh, great. I want to be healed for my three back surgeries. I love to have no pain every morning. But you know what? It's by God's grace that I function and I travel. I've been in 40 <coughs> countries. This year, I'll be going to three more countries I've never been in. God mm. opened those doors. Wow. I'll be going to at least four countries this year, possibly fifth country in September. So by God's grace, I am living by faith. He's given me the strength every day. So let's assume I get healed from every every illness that I have, which is impossible because sooner or later, we're all going to die. That's a guaranteed statistics. So the healing prospect, the prosperity gospel that they are constantly promoting is that we want to live here forever. I don't want to live here forever. I want to go home. (laughs) Death, I'm looking forward to death. See, that's the other thing. People are scared of death, a lot of people. And I teach this overseas. And overseas, at least, they deal with uh, mysticism, with tribal religions, with folk uh, practices, or voodoo, uh, they, the different religion like Hinduism, where they burn the body and throw the ashes in the Ganji River. So when I ask them, how many of you here are afraid of death? Everybody raised their hands, including the pastors. But when I teach biblically, which is part of the biblical foundation, what death really means, you should see or hear, you should see these brothers and sisters when they get it. They just start clapping. They start saying hallelujah. They're not afraid of death. So this is what I'm talking about, biblical foundations. When a true believer in Christ Jesus have that foundation, basically simplify systematic theology teaching, the essentials. They have this, and they build upon it. That's what I'm talking about, biblical foundation. You know, Elijah, I, I, I love baseball, and I want to make a baseball analogy here. In I little... still don't understand baseball. I've been in the country now over 30, <laughs> well, 35 years. I don't get it. Hour after the I show. I love basketball I'll... and football. I'll tell, you, <laughs> cause I'll tell you everything you know about baseball. But in, in Little League, as I remember, the distance from home plate to first base is like 45 feet okay. or 60 feet. In the major leagues, it's 90. Wow. So what we're teaching Christians in America is to play Little League baseball, that salvation is the goal. The scriptures are clear. The goal is not salvation. The goal is holiness. And in Titus chapter 2, we're told that the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation and teaching us to walk in godliness uh, as a way to honor the Lord. But I, I sense here in America that more and more the hoax that Christians are under is that salvation is the end of your journey, when in reality the Bible is very clear that salvation by the grace of God is the beginning of the journey Absolutely. to holiness. Absolutely. It's, a, it's a, the Christian walk and the sanctification process. You know, we get saved, but that doesn't mean our uh, worldview is being cleared out of our head. Uh, all the cobwebs, the satanic cobwebs that we have accumulated since the moment we were born until we got saved, it doesn't immediately being removed out of our head. We bring all that junk, all that dirty laundry into the church, into the body of Christ. Yes, the Lord saved us. Now we're redeemed. But now the work, that's why Paul talks about work out your salvation. Not we are working for our salvation. Basically, we are working out our salvation so we could be more holy and righteous uh, and uh, not, com- not perfect. That will, the day will come when we see Jesus. We'll be totally, completely perfect. But as we grow spiritually in that sanctification or Christian walk, uh, all of these cobwebs that have accumulated, the Lord will constantly heal us from us. That's why he talks about renew your minds. When we come to the Lord, we come believing in our hearts, not in our mind. Uh, yeah, we reason, but ultimately God will heal us from all the uh, demonic 
uh, worldviews that we have accumulated, whether it be from work or from ch- uh, uh, school or from media or whatever it is, we have now been safe, surrounded our life. That's done. We are secure in Christ Jesus. But now we are uh, the best gift really we need to give one another is holiness. And that something is really I don't see it as really being taught or being the focus. Not just that grace. Uh, yeah, truth is good, foundation is good, and which is essential. We have to have that. But then it get to a point which is really a dangerous thin line that uh, we cross into the legalism where we say truth, 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 scripture, 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 foundation, Bible, 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 but we have no grace, no love, mm-hmm. and then we become uh, tyrannical. And we, if, if it's not my way, it's the highway. If you don't conform to the way I believe and my doctrine the way I believe, then it's, it's the highway. Well, wait a minute. Not everybody at the same level in their spiritual walk. So we need to be gracious to one another uh, and let them grow and actually empower others, come alongside of others who are weaker brothers or weaker sisters uh, to empower them so they could grow spiritually to get to the, uh, you know, be Christ-like before man. We were talking about this uh, before the show about what we call secondary bullying. Yeah. The world is pushing us around, and since we don't know the scriptures and don't have a strong enough faith, the world bullies us. So instead of standing up to the world, we pick on other Christians, right. maybe the, the, the less mature Christian. Right. Or we, we almost develop this attitude like, well, until you're sanctified at my level, you can't possibly be saved. Right, and that, that's so sad because then it'll destroy that young believer's faith. Like, I'm not good enough. There is no way I could reach to that level of this brother or this sister of their holiness and their walk with Christ. So a lot of uh, young believers, yeah, they get saved, but then sooner or later they leave the church and they continue living worldly. And it takes them years to rediscover Christ and surrender their life as far as rededication. So, okay, Lord, I messed up. I know I'm saved, but I messed up. I want to really be follower of you. That's a waste of a lot of years. Instead, whoever led them to the Lord need to focus uh, on them to disciple them, mentor them, and teach them what it doesn't mean to be a Christian. Teach them what does it mean, uh, what, how to pray. Uh, you know, that's the problem. We, we assume a lot in uh, American Christianity churches. We assume just because somebody got saved, he's now coming to church, he's going to get everything that we are preaching and teaching and how we conduct ourselves. Look, discipleship, you know, Paul and Timothy, he took Timothy under his wing. He mentored him. He showed him his life. And Paul talked about being imitators of us. So uh, he showed him his example, what does it mean to follow Christ? And as a result, Timothy became a pastor of the Ephesus church and continued the ministry. So um, that's something also mentorship is missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, the true discipleship is missing. Very few churches really do that. Uh, they discipleship in their mind is Sunday school class. Well, if you attend a typical Sunday school class, the first thing they do is cookies and donuts and coffee. And fellowship for about 15, yeah, they have an hour, but they waste about 15 minutes. And then the, the Bible study, I've been in some really, uh, some Bible, uh, some Sunday school classes that is, the, the teaching is very shallow, uh, not deep enough into the scripture. But I've been in some Sunday school classes, man, I was ministered to, I was taught, that God bless these Sunday school teachers. So I'm not blanketing everybody to be bad. What I'm saying is that uh, it's, not, it's not the norm, it's the exception. Some of these Bible teachers really spend the time to teach the Scripture. Mm. You're listening to Stand Up for the Truth on Q9FM. Our special guest, Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministries. When we come back, is the Christian church in America becoming a victim of its own perceived success? You're hearing Stand Up for the Truth. Got a comment or question? Text the keyword Speak Up to 90100. That's Speak Up to 90100. Stand Up for the Truth. We'll be back. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Our guest, Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministries. He's a former Muslim, now a born-again believer. He travels around the world, really ministering to and equipping saints who live in very, very dangerous conditions. Elijah, I remember before I was a believer, and I was working at a very large insurance um, agency in the area, uh, my boss was a very wise man, and it was a believer, and he said, said, you know, a business is at its most dangerous point when it's at its apex of success. When you look and you go, everything's going really well, he said, be careful. He said, you've got to continually want to get better and grow. 
And, and I look at American Christianity, and by some statistics, more people in churches, mega churches, money's going well, everything like that. Yet how American Christianity defines success is by nickels and noses. Are we setting ourselves up for a really hard fall here? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you, you said that what, about the definition of success. Um, you know, yeah, the definition of success in typical American Christianity is how many members you have, what's your budget, um, uh, what's your program, uh, how big is your church building, facility, technology, name recognition, uh, not just the pastor, but also the church. Um, so is it multipl- uh, multiplying itself? It's got satellite uh, locations and so on. So that's the measurement of um, success. Uh, but according to the scripture, and really the goal is the success is, am I making disciples? Uh, are we disciple makers? Not just um, uh, making disciple, but turning that disciple to a, a disciple maker. Uh, and that's really what what it's all about, and the uh, the Great Commission is about. The Great Commission did not require me to have a mega church or uh, a successful church based on name recognition, uh, which is interesting. That gives you an idea what uh, how God feels about uh, big mega churches. And the day of Pentecost, immediately the church was born as a mega church with mm-hmm. three thousand members. Yeah. By the end of the week, probably went up to about ten to twelve thousand members. But they got busy and stayed in Jerusalem. They forgot the Great Commission, and they forgot Acts 1.8. As you go, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the world. So what did, ha- what, what did God do? He sent persecution. Stephen was the first martyr. They dispersed, and we are now byproduct of that persecution. Hmm. So persecution, it's, uh, and I taught this uh, and to persecuted uh, believers in India this past uh, December. Uh, about 250 passes in three locations of different cities. And all I hear from them at first, because they never experienced that before, now they're experiencing it, and they say, woe to us, woe to us, persecution, persecution. So hang on a second, not every persecution is bad. And I gave them the example I just gave you in Acts uh, where uh, Stephen was martyred. If he talked to the believers then, they said, man, our life is miserable. Uh, We've been hunted down. We've been put to death, uh, thrown to the lions, uh, burned to the stake, um, being starved to death. Yeah, that was bad then. But what is the benefits of their persecution? Here we go, 2,000 years later, and we are the beneficiary of their sacrifice. Second example I give these brothers is the during Reformation. And the Reformation, what did they believe? Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. I don't have to, and, and the priesthood of the believer, I don't have to go through a priest to get to God. Um, and uh, the Bible needs to be in common man language. Uh, and believer's baptism by immersion. And if you talk to them, my goodness, they were hunted down, put in prison, burned, some of them drowned. Oh, you want to? You believe in believers' baptism? They hold them underwater to drown them. Uh, so it was bad for them. But what is the byproduct? And I look at these brothers in India. I said, "What do you have in your lap?" They said, "Bible." What language? Hindi. You are beneficiary of their sacrifice. So persecution is really not all that bad. Is God's tool to refine us, to bring us close to Him, to to seek Him to depend more on him and his resources rather than ourselves and our resources on the, on the earthly uh, realm. That is not being taught in American Christianity churches, which I really truly believe it's a disservice to the church members because if and when things go south, which is really not maybe, is when things go south in America and the church will go, have to go underground and the church will be persecuted, Majority of American Christian members don't really know how to handle persecution. Why? Because biblically, theologically, never been taught how to handle persecution. What persecution and suffering? Why Christians suffer and persecuted, according to the scripture? There is a purpose for that. Um, so it's not been taught. So a lot of them is going to really react worldly. Some of them might commit suicide, unfortunately. Some of them will just uh, leave the faith. Uh, just to conform to what the government says. Uh, and the true believers will stay faithful, even if they have to go underground and even suffer and go in prison. And that's persecution also a tool to refine the church. And um, uh, it's, it's sad 
what we are experiencing and witnessing now in uh, American Christianity. I mean, I, I look at church history in America. It was a beacon. Uh, God blessed it, but the church forgot its first love. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, and I would say as a result in 1950s and 60s, really started after the Second World War, but 1950s and 60s, where they did not stand up for the truth. They did not stand up for the assault of the atheism to take the prayer out of school, to take the Bible, who used to be a curriculum in public school, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first act, one, what I understood of American hi- uh, history, that one of the first acts of the Congress that they wanted a Bible printed and to be part of the school uh, system. And here we are uh, 200 plus years later, and we are talking about that Christianity is not a good thing. It's we are divisive to the nation, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And those people who got that, the Congress that voted for that and the early founders and those who set out in education in America would be flabbergasted that the Bible is actually banned now from public schools, right. government-run schools. Right. And I think you mentioned persecution. There's a new poll from Pew, a new research. Christianity in Europe is strongest where Christianity was banned. Right. And we don't have a good idea or understanding of that here in America. We, we are trying to raise awareness about Open Doors, Voice of the Martyrs, and right. so many other organizations, but they're trying really – people don't want to talk about it. It's not comfortable so I agree with what you're saying, and, and research, new research backs it up, but I want to get back to something you mentioned just to get your take on the pros and cons of multi-campus satellite churches. I, I know there's probably good intentions behind these, but um, I'm just not sure when it comes to discipleship and being the salt and light that we need to be by going out in the world. Um, Show me that model in the Bible. It's not there. So what's the purpose of a pastor? A pastor, he's not a dictator, a CEO, which is that's the model of the American Christianity Church. It has taken the world, American corporate example, as a CEO. He's an elder among many elders, which means they shepherds. How in the world he's going to shepherd a flock 20 miles away? Or disciple. Disciple. How does he know them? By name. They don't, he's not approachable. So, or disciple them, like you said. So, to me, yeah, it's good intentions. But for goodness sake, is he the only preacher? So, if they're going to have another location 20 miles away, why not this pastor equip another pastor to be the pastor of that flock 20 miles away? We'll support you for three, four years financially until you guys get on your feet. And now in your own, reach out to that community 20 miles away. Be a church planter <coughs> instead of multi-campus church. Equip I, and delegate? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's really uh, – it's in, I've, I know I said this uh, quote uh, <clears throat> many times before maybe on the show. But I don't take credit for this quote, and I read it online, and I believe it was a, a, a chaplain in uh, Congress back 30 years ago. So he nailed it, man. I mean, what he said, he said, the Church of the Living God is, was established in Jerusalem as a fellowship. It moved to Athens, became a philosophy. It moved to Rome, became a religion. It moved to Europe, became a culture. It moved to the United States, became an enterprise and a harlot. Hmm. Mm. Look how they advertise, what I mean they, the American Christianity, advertise themselves to the point where really holotry, they're selling themselves, come as you are, the way you are. You know what? Uh, Whoever comes, we need to preach the gospel. We should not bend backward to look like the world. The reason that they made the church is the place of evangelism. No, the, the purpose of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Where Mm -hmm. is the work of the ministry? It's outside the church. Mm So the church should be a theological training, a mission agency, and uh, uh, encourage one another and teach from the scripture so they could be fed because the church members are being worn out outside. So they come Mm -hmm. for encouragement and to go out there, be the light of the world, salt of the earth. Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the works of ministry. Mike and I did went over an article several months ago. The provocative article, and the essence of it is when the church becomes a business, isn't that a prostitute? Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. really what it is. And, and it's so sad because 
you got some church members never ministered to anybody, <coughs> never witnessed to anybody. And that's a requirement. It's a command from the Lord. Go ye therefore make disciples of all nations. It did not say just the pastors. It did not say just the evangelists or the missionaries. Everybody. If you're telling me you're born again believer, it's in your head. You're going to be held accountable to God if you have not. A lot of people in American Christianity got so comfortable because they conditioned that way to write a check. I'll write you a check. You do the work. I'll pray for you whenever I remember, by the way. You know, when people say, I'll pray for you, I'm not sure. I just have to trust the Lord that they're really going to pray for me. So it's really sad to see that. But when you look at the persecuted church in third world countries, their understanding what the gospel is and what their role is is so yeah. opposite, yeah. so different from what we see in America. I was just going to ask you, isn't that what you're describing with church members, maybe maybe, maybe tithing, uh, maybe doing things, get, going to church to see what they can get, not understanding what it means to not necessarily be a member of a church, but be truly converted and part of the body of Christ, and what's our responsibility? And the issue is, even let's assume, okay, now you let's add the model that we have, unfortunately. Are they preaching the gospel? The answer to my, what I have seen, uh, no, because it's all about feeling good. It's all about human psychology, what's good for me, how it's going to make me feel good. Instead of, you look, when we go to church, I, need, I want to be convicted. I want to be encouraged by God's Word. I want to be comforted by God's Word. Yeah. I want to be challenged by God's yeah. Word. I want yeah. to be equipped by God's Word so I could do the work of the ministry. I don't want to be just to feel good because I'm depressed or uh, I have low self-esteem or whatever. You know what? My identity in Christ, even when I'm not feeling good, I say, Lord, I'm going to let you be the, the Lord of my life today. i got to walk by the Spirit. I'm surrendering my life to you today because I know who I am. I'm the child of God. That's my self-esteem. When the only thing, the reason that I am down and, and depressed and have self, low self-esteem, because the enemy is attacking me. He's the one who's accusing me that I'm not worthy. I'm not good. I'm this. I'm that. That's why I run to the cross, run to the arm of Jesus. Lord, you're my, you're my savior. You're my daddy. You're my friend. You saved me. Help me with these thoughts that I have. Mm-hmm. And that's not being taught. I want to just just chime in real quick and mention four of the words that you just shared. And it's important, I think, for all of us to just evaluate if we are, as these words you used, if we are being encouraged by the Word of God, convicted by the pastor's message or the sermon, are we being challenged in our Christian walk? Are we being equipped so those four things, Absolutely. if you are not being at least one of those, maybe two of those, you're in the wrong church. Mm. Maybe. Because, yeah. because now the church, like I said earlier, now the focus of the ch- typical service is really the, the, this concert, okay? But then the, when the preacher comes, he has a little sermonette about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. How in the world are you going to exposit a text in 15, 20 minutes. That's one of the challenges I have when I get invited to go to American church. And they ask me, uh, and I ask them, I say, how much time do I have? They say, oh, well, you'll have good, the way they say, good 20, 25 minutes. <laughs> I said, what's so good about it? And the thing is, I said, okay, what do you want me to share in these 20 minutes, 25 minutes? Oh, they want everything. How you became a believer, left Islam. How to reach Muslims for Christ. What are the challenges internationally and here? And how this, that? I said, all of that in 20, 25 minutes? Wow. So it is really difficult uh, to really even minister in American church Christianity, American Christianity, because they have conditioned themselves. I have to leave. We started this hour and this hour. Look, in Indonesia, there was a church. This is the title, the name of the church, okay? 60-minute church. Literally, it says 60-minute church. You are, the moment you walk in the door until you're out, 60 minutes guarantee. They have seven churches. So as far as that's concerned, they are successful because they have seven uh, seven, uh, services. Well, didn't the Catholics take that to the 45-minute model? (laughs) Well, yeah, it, I always say the church I grew up in, uh, a Catholic church when I was young, where the Packers used to play at uh, 1 o'clock in the old days. Oh. My dad would always take us to Mass at noon because they'd skip the sermon. Yeah. And one time we got in and out in 20, oh, 21 minutes. So. <laughs> uh, but you're right. Uh, and Elijah, I want to talk a little bit more about that after the break. You're listening to Stand Up for the Truth on Q90 FM. Our guest, Elijah Abraham, Living Oasis Ministries. When we come back, just what are we signing up for when we call ourselves 
Christians. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Our final segment with Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministries, we're contrasting Christianity in America with nations where literally when you say you're a Christian, your life is in danger. Elijah, I've been at many of your conferences, and here in America, we baptize people, it's like Henry Ford mass manufacturing, put headlights on them, they're baptized, it's good to go. You showed a video uh, from a heavily Muslim nation at one of your conferences about baptism. My jaw just dropped to the floor. Would you share a little bit of what you've experienced in this Muslim country? Yeah, that was my trip to North Africa. And it is a heavily Islamic nation. Uh, The church is being persecuted really from day one. Uh, But they have been faithful. Uh, They are openly worshiping the Lord. Uh, they have the church was in a it's a storefront church, and they were singing drums, m- loud music, and I got nervous. I thought, man, oh, they're going to come and arrest us. And then the Lord really showed me that if they are not worried, not afraid, why am I? Mm-hmm. So I joined them in the worship and so forth. Uh, they packed close to about three hundred people in a small little bitty room. Every single one of them is from Muslim background. The pastor is from Muslim background. The church lasted just the worship and teaching and, and music, about uh, the, the preaching, uh, about four hours. They added another hour, hour and a half just praying. And then fellowship afterwards about another hour and a half, two hours. So it's a whole day event because they always looked forward to Sunday. But at the end of the service, they baptized seven new converts from Islam. But before they baptized them, every person who got baptized went through two months, five days a week, teaching discipleship four hours a day uh, in that church. And I, uh, the following day, the next day, I saw the tables, you know, where they do the teaching and so forth, like a little classroom. Um, and at the end of that b- discipleship, that's when they baptize them. It was a big, huge party, big event. And, of course, they all cramped about uh, four, 50 people, cramped a small little bitty room that shared the toilet, the kitchen, and a little bathtub like you have in your typical house. And we had the, one of our uh, team uh, members was videotaping. And, uh, of course, they were speaking their own language, a little bit uh, tribal language, and which I don't understand. So... I noticed the pastor, uh, of course, he's from Muslim background, pointing the finger at this person about to be baptized and shaking it like this. And he's saying something. And I'm seeing the person who's being baptized agreeing, nodding and saying, yes, yes, yes. So at the end, after the service, we had lunch and the pastor sat next to me and I asked him, I said, uh, of course, I was speaking to him in Arabic because he speaks both, Ar- actually three, Arabic, his tribal uh, language, as well as French. Um, so I asked him, I said, I noticed that you were serious, pointed the finger at that person and really intent, uh, you know, delivering what you're saying. What, what were you saying? He said, well, in our country, baptism, it's crossing the line. There is no turning back. Mm. And it's a matter of life and death. And we don't want anyone who's not sure to follow Christ. So we ask him a series of questions. The first question we ask, would you deny Allah? Would you deny Muhammad? Would you deny uh, Islam? Would you deny the Quran? Would you follow Jesus? Would you follow him even unto death? And if the answer, yes, 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 okay, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and baptize him. I asked him a dumb question. I said, how about if someone hesitates or someone really doesn't um, uh, agree with that question and say, no, I really can't. He said, we don't baptize them. And he was really emphatic. He said, we don't baptize them. He said, because we cannot afford weak Christians. Mm. If he is not willing to die for Jesus, he is not worthy of Jesus. What a powerful statement. Elijah, I want to go back to something you were talking about a while ago. Uh, stand up for the truth is what you're hearing right now. The guest is Elijah Abraham, and you're back back to the American church, and you were saying that they're not even sharing the gospel. Have you met a pastor, without naming any names, have you met any pastor that can even explain the true gospel? Uh, yeah, in American Christianity churches, uh, it's rare. It's sometimes it's his version or Americanized churchianity version the true gospel the true gospel is very few and even if they know it they really don't do it and don't 
most uh, look before i you ask me this question i want the listeners don't misunderstand where i'm coming from i don't want people to think i am here to judge the church and it has to be my version of a church uh, all i'm advocating to be biblical that's what i'm advocating i wanted to set it up with because most people that i talk to believe it is the pastor's job to share the gospel with people and, uh, share their faith well <laughs> The pastor's job is to exposit and teach the scripture, to equip the saints so they could go out there and share and be equipping people and share the gospel. So it's not just his job. It's the church members, the believers. They should be also to be equipped. It is their, the, the mantle, not just on the, the pastor only, but every born-again believer. The Great Commission applies to every believer. I know you believe that. I just wanted to make sure that we mm. shared that. Oh, yeah. Elijah, something the Lord has been just putting on my heart over the last couple of years is the very scary verses of where people stand before Jesus Christ and say, Lord, look what we've done, look what we've done. And he says, away from me, you evildoers, I never knew you. So these are people who believe they're Christians, right. and the Lord is going to condemn them to eternal hell. That's scary. I think the greatest evangelism field we have right now is in the American church. Oh, sure. And um, Look, I exp- not to interrupt, but I experience this. And when I go and speak in American churches, and I explain the gospel as simple as I make it, and I've seen people getting saved. Yeah. And, you know, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, examine yourselves to see with you if, whether you were in the faith. Test yourselves. What is he talking about there? I mean, I, I've got my own opinion on what Paul is saying, but when we are told to test ourselves regularly to see if we're in the faith, what does that look like? Well, first of all, am I comfortable with sin? When I see some sinful acts and sinful things, do I accept that? Uh, or does it gross me out? Gross me out, not necessarily just, oh, that's gross. No, but it really grieves me, mm-hmm. and it revolts me from inside, like, oh, this is disgusting. This is ungodly. Do I have that reaction? Um, is, is my heart and my longing for righteousness? Do I have hunger for righteousness? Do I have hunger for God's word? Do I have hunger to... Uh, set aside time and just spend with the Lord and pray to him and meditate on his word? Do I have hunger in loving the brothers and sisters in Christ and and share the love of God and grace of God to one another instead of being condemning and judgmental on our fellow uh, believers? Do I have a desire to expand the kingdom? Uh, Do I have the burden to see that there are so many people created in God's image and likeness that they are dying and going to hell. And I'm okay with that. Uh, it does not bother me. Do I have the desire to say, look, here's what's, what will happen to you if you die. Uh, the thing is that the mindset and the mind of a believer, he needs to understand from a biblical point of view that we know the destiny of an unbeliever than the unbeliever knows about his own destiny. Mm. We know. We have the end story. The Bible tells us. We know what's going to happen. So that doesn't bother us. It does not bother us, all the lists that I just shared with you. Of course, there is more to it. Uh, Then uh, our question, am I really truly saved? I like that answer. I, I, I like that a lot. That just tells me you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. David and I covered a story, uh, I think it was last week, about um, some missionaries from Africa that sent missionaries here to America. And when the missionaries got here, they got really comfortable and didn't want to go back. Right. Boy, I tell you, this nation used to send missionaries out. Now missionaries are coming here, and they're getting drawn into this American Christian It's very seductive. It's very seductive. I mean, look, it's not just from Africa. We've seen from Middle East. They come over here to America. They go to... uh, Seminaries. I know one particular person who went to a seminary here in America. The plan and the people who sponsored him to come here to go to seminary is for him to go back to Middle East and start a church. Guess what? He stayed here, started an Arabic church. Well, that was not the plan, and he basically uh, deceived the people who sponsored him. So, um, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. And the thing is that there are a lot of people, uh, believers, missionaries from third world countries coming to America as missionaries, including people from China and uh, the Philippines and other places. Mm. We love this nation. I oh, mean, we sure. do. We, we've been given a lot of freedoms, uh, at least as of now. We've got freedom of worship, freedom of speech, but 
What does it say of a culture that has murdered 65 million unborn children and now says it's legal to kill them after they've come out of the womb? Do you think really God is going to stand aside and let it happen? What I mean, let it happen without judgment? Uh, he, look what he did to the apple of his eye, the, the Israel, the 10 tribes, the northern Israel, the northern kingdom. Read book of uh, Hosea. At that time, yeah, if you look at them, if you go back in time and see, oh, yeah, it was prosperous time. People probably had uh, many flocks, maybe a couple of houses. Uh, they, everything was going well. But what was happening spiritually? They were worshiping idols, Baal. They were sacrificing not just animals, but sacrificing their own children. Uh, they adopted the heathenistic practices. And uh, they did not listen to Yahweh. He sent them one prophet after another, one prophet after another. Finally, uh, God basically told Hosea, stop. Stop preaching to these people. Um, they're done. And guess what he did? He sent the enemies of Israel to, uh, to uh, judge them, and they no longer exist at that time. Um, does that mean they, they, now they, they have uh, a movement, the lost tribe of Israel? Uh, are they lost? No. God knows exactly who they are. That's why the book of Revelation tells me that God will choose 144,000 Jews to be evangelists. That's 12,000 from every, the tri- tri- 12 tribes of uh, Israel. So God knows who they are. Uh, but God is not going to sit, sit idle uh, and do nothing about what this nation is doing to unborn children and now, unfortunately, born children. Uh, and they are clapping and happy about it in the state of New York when they pass that legislation. Woe to us. I'm telling you, uh, that's one of the things I fear for my kids who are now, te- four, I got four teenagers. What kind of America is going to be when they are fully adult and have their own families? and have um, kids, grandkids. You know, I'm not going to worry about that then. Uh, you know, uh, f- what's going to happen? What if, what if, what if? You know, I'm trusting the Lord. Uh, r- even with all of bad situation going on here in America, and the days are getting more and more dark, more evil, uh, I'm encouraged because the Apostle Paul and the prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles of the New Testament looked forward to the days that we're living in. Why? Because the Lord is coming, mm. and he's coming very soon. The Lord told us it's going to be like the days of Noah. Well, what, are, what does that mean? Look at this, the description of the days of Noah. Evil expounded. Demonic activity was rampant. Of course, this is what we're dealing with. Look at the legislation that the Democrats trying to push. This is all demonic as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's ungodly. Uh, but who says this? Which church leader, a big national church leader stands up to the Republicans and the Democrats and the Congress says, you are not of God. Your, your legislation is ungodly. This is not what the country stood, uh, was founded on. What you are doing is destroying this nation. What God has blessed this nation all these years, and God is going to take his blessing out of this nation and protection out of this nation because of you. I have not seen somebody like this to say this. The question is why? The Old Testament God sent mm-hmm. prophets. They stood up to the king. Well, how come we're not? Is it because we're in the 21st century, the political correctness? Again, we allow the political correctness to infiltrate the church instead of the church saying to political correctness, get out of my face. Because now we need to be prophets of God. What I mean prophets? To proclaiming the word of God, not foretelling the future. That does not exist. The Bible is canonized and sealed. But be prophets of God to tell our leaders you are wrong. This is sinful act. And for us to still stand in silent of what nine uh, people, the, the high court two, three years ago, and they said homosexual marriage is now the law of the land. Yeah, they rebuked it for a little bit and they uh, went back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So now it's becoming the norm. And as a result, they, see, look, the left and the progressives and the communist party Uh, that we have. I don't call them Democratic Party anymore. They're communists as far as I'm concerned because, look, I've seen communism. I've seen socialism. I lived under dictatorship. I know what it is. So I'll call it for what it is. But we are not saying, not standing up and calling it for what it is. And woe to us. Which means if the church continues to be silent, what I mean the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about God's people. Amen. Amen. God's people are lulled to the point of heresy. 
And God blessed the biblical church and the remnant. God always have a remnant, and they will continue to stay there. But the majority of American churches, American Christianity, judgment is coming. Well, and remember, Jesus said that remnant, in the final days, they're going to turn you over to the officials and have you put to death, Absolutely. and they're going to think they're doing God's will. Right. So people within our own professing churches will turn that remnant over one day. Sure, sure. I mean, look, even in our ministry, and I stood up with some other um, uh, brothers, we stood up to the Insider Movement and Chris Lam and so on. The fellow missionaries who are advocating for that, they called us workers of the devil, divisive. Sure, they persecute us. Do I care? I could care less. People say, well, that's kind of dogmatic. You know what? I'm very comfortable with the word dogmatic as long as I'm preaching biblical truth. If it's my own opinion and I'm dogmatic about my own opinion, come and talk to me. I'll be the first to repent. Amen. Elijah Abraham, Living Oasis Ministries. When we come back, we will wrap up today's show. Have a question for Mike? Email him anytime at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. Now, here's Mike LeMay. Elijah Abraham, Living Oasis Ministries. Elijah, how can we pray for you and how can we financially support your very important work? Well, I sure appreciate you asking this question. Uh, Yeah, we always uh, need prayer warriors uh, because we are fighting a spiritual battle. Uh, My wife and my kids and I and and our ministry, whether it be uh, personally or ministry-wise, because the the devil doesn't like what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and what God called me to do. And um, uh, pray for health uh, and for doing the travel that takes a lot of toll on the body, especially when you travel, you know, 50 hours uh, each way uh, nonstop and flying and changing planes and all of that. And not to get sick in those countries because I have been. Oh, I uh, bet. Take, and to financially support you, how can people? Yeah, financially, they could do it uh, either by website, uh, livingoasis.org. Uh, or I know some people don't want to do it online. So just shoot me an email or contact information on uh, our website. I'll be glad to give you our P.O. Box address uh, where you could send you a check. And you can email me, Mike, at q90fm.com, and I'll connect you with Elijah. For David Fiorazzo and Elijah Abraham, Mike LeMay standing up for the truth. Be bold, be strong, and always unashamed of the gospel. The Lord your God is always with you. health and uh, for doing the travel that takes a lot of toll on the body especially when you travel f- you know 50 hours uh, each way uh, non-stop and flying and changing planes and all of that and not to get sick in those countries because I have been oh, I uh, bet. and to financially support you how can people yeah financially they could do it uh, either by website uh, livingoasis.org uh, or I know some people don't want to do it online so just shoot me an email or contact information on uh, our website I'll be glad to give you our P.O. Box address uh, where you could send you a check. And you can email me, Mike, at q90fm.com, and I'll connect you with Elijah. For David Fiorazzo and Elijah Abraham, Mike LeMay standing up for the truth. Be bold, be strong, and always unashamed of the gospel. The Lord your God is always with you.